Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of 1 Kings, I want you to join me and you can remain seated. And I'm just going to, with the help of the Lord, I just want to help us uh, have a different lens sometimes to look at our lives and our situations or circumstances through. The Bible says, this is a real familiar passage. As a matter of fact, every, every scriptural reference or character that I make reference to here in the next few moments are going to be very, very familiar stories. You're not going to need waiters to go out into any of this today. I just want to challenge your thought if I can. The Bible says in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. And so here we find a, a reference so many times. We have talked about how this not assumed prophet of God, far more than an assumed man of God, but the Lord had mightily used him, not just in the past, Obviously, he had been used in his past, but we're talking about a very recent past. The, the victory of Mount Carmel is still vibrant in his soul and his life. It's still the talk of the town. That particular victory on Mount Carmel obviously serves as a catalyst for um, this injunction against him. Elijah now, uh, just seeing life differently, if we could just kind of place ourselves in his skin, and I, I know that... Sometimes we hold all of our heroes, Bible characters, whether our heroes are Bible characters or even some of the heroes of faith that we know ourselves here today. We hold them in such high regard that if we're not careful, we can fail to realize that they, they, they live the same lives that we live. And they feel the same things that we feel, experience the same things that we experience. And so I think I'm safe to say that we have all had those moments when we think it just couldn't get any better. Everything is just clicking along in perfect sync. It's just everything is in harmony. And God has heard and answered uh, the prayer of Elijah. And, and it was far more than just the prayer of Elijah, but God was redeeming a nation and proving himself to be Lord of all and to know that the Lord had used Elijah to do something as significant of that historically and spiritually. And then we also have seen those days when we wonder if it could get any worse. 
And uh, I learned a long time ago, incidentally, not to ask what next. You, you do with that what you want to do. I'm just saying I learned a long time ago. I, I, I don't want to know what next sometimes. And so although Elijah was willing to die, he was, he was yet to anoint. There was still something in him left, and he, he didn't realize it. He feels that he is at the end of himself. He feels that if, in fact, this threat is far more than a threat, and if it's capitalized on that, that I will be no more and there is nothing left. It is enough. I think that's a significant statement about the state of a man's mind and soul. It is enough, Lord. Just let me go, let me go be with my fathers. And that's a King James way of just saying, let me die. Just let it be done. And he didn't realize that although he saw himself as spent, he saw himself as completely used up. He saw himself already in the category of a has-been at best, but there was something left in him. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about a kingdom point of view. Amen. As, as the Lord looks at this, I've used this illustration so many times, I'm a little bit reticent to, to use it again, but I think that our lives are a tapestry that heaven is working on right now. And we can only see the underneath side of the tapestry and, and at best we can just see the vague outline of what God is really trying to do. But there is a kingdom point of view that God is looking at and he sees something and, and Elijah sees himself as done. He sees himself as over. But in him we know because we have continued to read scripture that he was going to anoint a prophet that would succeed him a prophet with a rather odd request that could have been taken wrong, but it thankfully wasn't taken wrong. Elijah, when he met Elisha, Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah did acknowledge that that thou has asked a hard thing, but I do not think at all that Elisha perceived that as to be any remote measure of arrogance, but he understood that there was a passion in him. Amen, and so this same prophet indeed would, as Elijah had seven major miracles in his ministry, Elisha would in fact have 14 major miracles in his ministry. And so that double portion was not just a vaporized request, but God did indeed grant that. And it was Elijah at a moment when he thought it was all said and done, kingdom had a different point of view. The kingdom of God saw this differently. And, and that's why the angel of the Lord said, Elijah, you're gonna to have to end this party. You're gonna to have to blow out the candles, put away the cake, bind on your sandals. Amen, there, there are some things that are left to do and not just things randomly left to do within the kingdom, but things that must be done at your hand. Elisha, that same prophet, would do many things, but among them, we know that he would bless a family with a child, and that child would be raised to a certain point and die, but God would still by faith, answer the prayer of that man, amen, and, and raise that child to death. And so from a personal point of view, under this juniper tree, Elijah had already thrown in the towel. He had cashed in the chips. It was over as far as he was concerned, but heaven had angels, not just random angels, but ministering angels to come. He had no way of knowing this, but God was really trying to draw him to a higher place in him. 
If I may digress just a, a, a moment, I have watched so many times people go through circumstances in life where it seems like, and in fact, in some cases, to some degree, it has sidelined people from things they have done for years. I've watched many people that uh, that perhaps were leaders in the church at some point, but age and health and different things just begin to chip away at what they had the capacity to do in the future and so God did not just relegate them to some back door or back room or basement place within the kingdom but God really in truth elevated them to another place and used them in an altogether different measure but nonetheless powerful and in many cases even more pertinent to the kingdom and given them a voice and so I say that day that we should never fail fail that regardless of what our point of view may be to understand that there is a kingdom point of view amen and so when we focus on our failures when we focus on our missed steps when we focus on the wrong decisions and so I'm just assuming today there are people here that have failed I'm assuming there are people here that have misstepped I'm assuming there are people here that have made wrong decisions in your life and even in your walk with God amen when we fail when we only focus on that and fail to see the broader perspective that the kingdom of God has a different point of view and according to Romans 8 and 28 he can take this even though he didn't make this but he can take this and work this to the good and to the edification not only of us but of the kingdom of God amen when we think about when we think about the free woman and the bond woman in the book of Genesis. We think about the bondwoman by the name of Hagar that gave birth to Ishmael. And I'm just taking advantage of the fact that I'm speaking to an adult class who I am assuming and hopefully correctly understands the, the, the content of the scriptures that we're talking about today. And so when they got impatient, Abraham and Sarah being they, when they got impatient in their wait for what God would give them and had promised them. And they devised a plan with Hagar in which a child could be born. That child was Ishmael. And the scripture says, and the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast that same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, the bondwoman, which she had born unto Abraham mocking. When she saw this bondwoman's child mocking the child of promise. The Bible says, Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let not let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman in all that Sarah hath said unto thee hearken unto her voice for in Isaac shall thy seed be called and also the son, son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed and not because you've, you've made all the right decisions, but because he's your seed, I'm gonna make him a nation. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, took bread and a bottle of water, gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, uh, Abraham, as we understand, grew weak in his faith, listened to Sarah, his wife, and that's not a disparaging remark against our companions, 
but the result of that was a son that was born, but it was not a son of promise. Now, we have all been guilty on some level, and let me say again, all been guilty on some level of getting impatient in our walk with God and allowing something to be given birth to in our spirit that was outside of due season and the timing of God. Amen. We have put our hands to circumstances and situations and we have nudged them forward. We all have those elements in our life, those things that we drag along because we thought this is the best thing we can do at the time. But later we found those decisions just created nothing more than chaos. And oh, if we could just get back to that moment in time and relive that moment, how, how different those decisions would have been. Amen. While God did bless Hagar and Ishmael, the purpose of the kingdom was not bound up in Ishmael. It was not bound up in Hagar, but the purpose of the kingdom was bound up, amen, in that son of promise and so sometimes even God in his mercy and in the midst of our mistakes softens the blow of our mistakes softens the blow of our wrong decisions amen but hear me this morning when God softens the blows of things that we have done wrong we should never misread that and confuse that with God's favor because sometimes it's merely mercy. Amen. Now, you know, the story would, would uh, to some degree, and I don't mean to sound barbaric, but the story to some degree would have made more sense if the Lord had just stepped on the scene and killed Hagar and Ishmael. But the Lord didn't do that. He said, even though this is not my will, I'm going to make of him a nation. And I'm only doing this, Abraham. Don't confuse this. I'm not doing this because I'm agreeing with you, but I'm doing this because it's your seed. But please don't confuse this with favor. Please don't think everything is okay. You know, we read that story of Ananias and Sapphira. The one comes in, Ananias tells a lie, drops dead. They haul him out. His wife comes in, tells the same story, or at least confirms the same story. She drops in her tracks, and they haul her out. And outside of those Ananias and Sapphira moments, we all do things akin to that. <laughs> but because they don't haul us out one at a time, we feel like it's going to be all right. It may just be mercy that God didn't just crush us under his hand and say, I, I gotta put this out. I gotta put an end to that. Amen, I, I don't ever wanna mistake that. I'm off subject just a little bit, but we should never mistake God's mercy as God's favor. Amen, if we are here in this house today and we've got sin in our life, amen, can I preach to the church? I preach to everybody, but let me preach to the church this morning. Amen, if you've got sin in your life and you felt the presence of the Lord in our opening song, or you feel the presence of the Lord as our guests begin to sing and minister to you today and to us today, we should not feel like that God is okay with what we did last night or the bed that we got up out of this morning or Friday night or the sin that we committed or the language that we've used or the dirty deeds that we have done. 
don't confuse feeling the anointing of God as God saying everything is okay. That may be God's mercy. Amen. That says one more time today. Amen. From a kingdom point of view, we would say just haul them out. We would say dig another grave. We would say prepare another headstone, but kingdom has another point of view. Amen. And that point of view often is mercy. But oh God, help us to never ever confuse God's mercy with his favor. Amen. Wrong is wrong. Amen. I believe that mercy nudges us along, prods us along, gives us an opportunity to turn. But I know that God can take greater measures. Amen. I don't want to sound redundant, but we've all heard the stories of, or the comments, and I think we all to some degree have, I know I have been, I've been to God's woodshed. (laughs) I've had the Lord take me out behind the barn. That's not a pleasant thing. Not a pleasant thing. My mother and my father were, were, um, they had completely different personalities and and uh, I, I don't even know. I probably lost count of how many whippings my mother had given me by the time I was 10. Now bear in mind, when I was coming along and you ladies that were in this era can remember this, that a lot of the ladies' dresses back then had matching belts. They were kind of made out of cloth and cardboard and so sometimes that was the whipping. So I don't want you to think that you need to call the law or anything. That was... You, know, you you can get a thousand of those whippings with those little cloth belts and then you just kind of dance around a little bit to get through the moment. <laughs> but when my dad unsheathed that belt, <laughs> this, this is an altogether different party here. This is <laughs> altogether different. And so there was a difference in my mother whipping me and my father whipping me. I, I, I have no idea, as I've said, I'm not just saying this for convenience sake. I have no idea how many times that my mother whipped me, but I can tell you exactly. I'm 54 years old. I can tell you exactly how many times my father whipped me. I remember them distinctly. And so when our Lord takes us behind the woodshed, it leaves an indelible impression. He's not doing that to pick on us, but he's doing that because he has a kingdom point of view. He could let us go to our devices. He could could just leave us to our whimsical ways. He could just let us escape and walk into our own demise. But he has a kingdom point of view. And he says, if I can work on you a little longer, if I can just hone things a little bit more, if I can shape you, we think sometimes as Nehemiah that it's over we think sometimes like Abraham because we've made wrong decisions that that, that, there's no way that God could ever use us but he does use us beyond our mistakes because the Lord has a kingdom point of view I I don't want to belabor the point our musicians I'm going to ask you to come but many times in scripture we think about heroes and, and, and we have these heroes in scripture and I don't want to do anything to change your opinion of that but we sometimes only think of the gains, measure the gains, and we don't measure the losses. Some things are irrevocably taken away from us. David sinned with Bathsheba, had a man murdered, 
and we read about that wonderful restorative passage of Scripture where, where Nathan said, Thou art the man, and David repented, and God forgave him. But there was still a price coming, David. It's down the road, around the bend. It's shrouded now by something we call the future. And David did everything within his power, not through means of money and influence, but prayer and fasting. But there was still a price to pay. David could have washed the earth from his face, as the scripture says, and thought, this is it. It's over. But kingdom had another point of view. You've made a mistake and there's a price to be extracted. The prodigal son is a beautiful story. And I don't ever want to use this illustration by taking any of the restorative nature of the scripture away. But the Bible talks about him wasting his inheritance, then coming to himself and then going back home and the fatted calf and the party and he gets his old room back. And But he lost what he wasted. That was never restored to him. There's a a price to pay. And sometimes we, in the midst of paying that price, when that price is being extracted from us, just one ounce at a time, we think, "I, I certainly have no future. I have no tomorrow. But I just feel like the Lord would have me to say to you just this morning that that's just your point of view. That's just your point of view. But the kingdom has a different point of view. And Elijah, before you jump off of that cliff, there may just be one more blessing left in you. One more. And when we think about blessings and we think about people who have made horrible mistakes, how could we forget Jacob? A man whose life is littered with poor decisions from his youth. But we find him at the very, very, very end. And his brothers have revealed themselves. Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers. They have gone home. They have brought Jacob back to meet the Pharaoh. And when they, when they come in, here is a man whose life is scarred, admittedly scarred. Jacob describes his life to Pharaoh. And then this bowed and bent, sunburned, calloused man offers to bless Pharaoh. And so today I'm just telling you that no matter how we see ourselves, if if Jacob could have viewed himself that morning on the way to Jacob, on the way to Pharaoh's throne, if he could have not just viewed himself in a three-way mirror literally, but if he could have looked at himself at a mirror and then saw his life story chronicled for him in a very succinct fashion that would have been enough to have silenced him but he walked into Pharaoh's court and he had a blessing left in him and so today I would tell you that don't discount what kingdom what the kingdom of God may view in our lives I want the Lord to be able to use me Amen. I want his mercy to never be mistaken for his hand of approval. 
Amen. And, and correct me as you must and will. But I want you to help me see life, not just from my point of view, but from a kingdom point of view. Can we stand? Amen. The Lord's so kind to us and he's brought us such a long way. And if it had not been for his grace, I shudder to think about where we would, I would be today. By grace, the apostle Paul said, I am what I am. And I think we all agree with that. Amen. I wonder if we would just, just for a moment, can we just slip our hands up, lift our voices? Would you thank God for a kingdom point of view? You may see yourself as complete, done, finished, but I believe that kingdom has a different point of view. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.